Hello and welcome to the first episode of the PMM podcast. I'm your host, Kieran Nee, editor of Professional Motor Mechanic magazine. You might know the magazine, you might not. It's been around for over 20 years and it's read across the UK by over 60,000 servicing and repair professionals. Hopefully, you're one of them. If not, well, you can pick up a copy in all good motor factors. It includes lots of practical technical articles which you'll probably find really useful. Via the PMM podcast, we plan to share industry news and information beyond the pages of the monthly magazine, directly into your ears. Right now, I assume you're listening to this in your car or on the way to work, or on the workshop floor. Either way, welcome! Where is my part? Where is it? Possibly something you've said to yourself, to colleagues or suppliers over the last couple of months. Well, today we're going to address it. Where is your part and why is it more expensive than it was? This episode focuses on supply shortages in the UK aftermarket. This episode you'll hear from some of our readers, including Cousins Garage, which is based just around the corner from us in Watford. I phoned up about six or seven and I can't get any cheaper. That's the cheapest of the cheap. You'll also hear from industry insider Mark Wise from Shaft Tech. Container shortages, you had increased cost in your shipping, you had the dollar going the wrong way, you had all of these sorts of things affecting the supply chain. But before I take you to meet these guys, I'd like to pass you over to Deputy Editor Freya Coleman for this month's news. Over to you, Freya. Thanks, Kieran, and hello to all our listeners. I'm Freya. PMM's Deputy Editor and News Editor for the PMM Podcast. And here's the news. A survey by Who Can Fix My Car's network of over 15,000 garages, mobile mechanics and dealerships asked businesses whether they would be raising prices soon and what influenced that decision. The cost of living crisis was the biggest factor behind price increases, with 14.89% of garages saying it's the sole reason for charging more, compared with 11.7% saying it was the price of parts. Over half of the garages who said that they would be increasing prices felt that both the cost of living crisis and the rising price of parts were major factors. In other news, the Society of Motor Manufacturers and Traders predicts that one in four new cars will come with a plug by the end of 2022. Yet analysis by the Institute of the Motor Industry reveals that only 11% of technicians in the UK are qualified to work safely on EVs. According to the IMI, there could be a shortfall of just over 25,000 qualified technicians by 2030. Current forecasts predict this shortage could materialise as soon as 2027 as sales of EVs accelerate. The automotive industry is united in its condemnation of any possible frequency change to the MOT test. The UK Alliance for the Freedom of Car Repair, the coalition formed to lobby the UK government in a post-Brexit era, called it a dangerous step backwards for road safety. The Alliance has called on the UK government to shelve any such proposals that reduce road safety and lead to an actual increase in car repair and maintenance costs. However, some motorists are taking a different view. The motor finance specialist Startline has revealed that 84% of used car buyers would back the controversial government idea. The monthly Startline used car tracker shows that 69% of this group believe their car would remain safe despite the longer gap. Finally, just a date for your diary. 
The next mechanics show for the professional mechanics is set to take place on Tuesday the 8th and Wednesday the 9th of November 2022 at Sandown Park in Surrey. There's a free seminar programme and lots of new products to explore. To register your attendance, go to www.mechanics.info. And that's the news from PMN this month. Before I pass you back to Kieran, our digital editor Kelly wants to have a quick word. Kelly, you're up. Thanks, Freya. Hi, everyone. I'm Kelly. I just wanted to jump in quickly to say that if you do want to view some of our more technical content, but you live outside the UK, don't worry, you can read the digital version on www.pmmonline.co.uk, which is where you'll also find our daily news stories. It's also where you can sign up to our weekly newsletter. That's the beauty of digital. It's borderless. Over the last two years or so, supply chains have had a bit of a raw deal. We've seen giant ships blocking giant canals, denying all their ship friends access to Europe's shores, which means you, me and everyone else haven't been able to get their hands on the products being transported. There's also been disruption at UK ports due to new Brexit processes, which operators are still getting their heads around. The pandemic continues to cause chaos too. Whilst national news outlets have mainly been focused on the effect the pandemic has had on the production of vehicles, many aftermarket parts suppliers have also felt the effect. Last month, supplier to both the OE and aftermarket sectors, Robert Bosch, was forced to suspend production at two of its factories in China. The tragic war in Ukraine and Russian sanctions are also restricting access to products, fueling food inflation and exacerbating the cost of living crisis across Europe. I've definitely felt the rise in food prices, especially eggs. Now, I eat a lot of eggs, it must be said. I was curious to understand exactly why I was paying more. So I googled it. So according to the British Free Range Egg Producers Association, the cost of feeding hens has jumped 50%, while energy prices have increased by 40%. More expensive labour, packaging, things like that. I have a confession to make. Although I am the editor of an automotive magazine, I ride a bike to work, and I have noticed two things over the past couple of years. Firstly, the price of used bikes has shot up because once the pandemic hit, everyone wanted to take advantage of the empty roads. And secondly, home repairers like me had to start paying through the roof for components such as brakes and gear shifters, basically because Shimano which is the largest global manufacturer of bike parts, was forced to close its Malaysian factory for a few months. I had to replace a brake lever on my bike that broke during a crash. Don't worry, I'm okay. But I had to wait weeks and pay through the nose even just to find one available. So my question is, to all of you listening, are you feeling it in your garage too? On the workshop floor? Are there parts you're still waiting on? Are you frustrated at having to wait so long? Yeah. I could almost hear you all nodding. Well, you're not alone. In fact, according to a recent survey, 57% of workshops are planning on increasing their prices to overcome the rising cost of parts. Come and meet Alex Franklin from Cousins Garage in Watford. Alex is really honest about how supply chain shortages are affecting his business. Prices of parts are getting very high, and as I said, oil is massively high. It's for 208 litres, I was paying about £250 for a barrel, now I'm paying £600 for 200 litres, so less oil, 
and more money and it's just it's getting ridiculous and uh how is that going to impact then on your relationship with customers are you going to have to pass that cost on well i'd like to but if you put a price up on customers the garages down the road don't put their prices up the customers will go there because it's cheaper everyone's trying to save a couple of quid at the moment and we uh we'll end up losing business so you've got to pay more and take less basically is there the chance to go to a different oil supplier i was just on the email just that second i've been all morning i phoned up about six or seven and i can't get any cheaper that's the cheapest of the cheap that's one hell of a price hike alex also told us he doesn't feel comfortable passing that on to his customers he was worried he would lose them to the garage down the road you know i mentioned earlier that 57 percent of garages are planning to increase their prices well, that also means that 43% of garages are going to swallow the costs themselves. Maybe, like Alex, you've spent the morning calling around your suppliers looking for better prices because, well, you don't feel comfortable, you don't feel able to pass them on to your customers, who, after all, are already paying more for their eggs. We were keen to find out what other garages were doing. Okay, let's get back out there. Here's one. Now it's Fairway's garage. We'll just put in this on the right. I haven't been here before. I didn't know there was a garage here. Let's see what they have to say. Okay. Glenn Dickman from Fairway Tires. I'm the director. Dan Dickman, Fairway Tires uh, manager. There's a shortage on all tires. Everything, pretty much everything, really. Yeah, tires are a big problem. Main dealerships are one of the hardest things to get parts for. Um, big shortage on main dealers. Yeah. Um, Aftermarket isn't as bad, but it's not good. Are you having to put pass the costs on to them? Oh, we're passing costs on, which you can't sort it all the time. Yeah, we just explain though. They are noticing it. We get questions on it all the time. Yeah. We're noticing it. They're, they're okay with it. Once we explain properly, they understand. Do you say that shortages are the biggest problem you're facing right now? Yeah, yes, yeah. I would. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That is the only problem, really. For because the problem is, the because there's shortage on parts, when we've got cars stuck on the ramp, there's one ramp out of action until we get those parts in, so it does cause us... I mean, we're lucky we've got eight rams, but there's a lot of garages out there with one or two rams. So we've just come out of Fairway's garage, and uh, we've just been told by a passerby on the street that there should be a garage just up the road here. We, we haven't come far. And there it is, I see it now. Okay. in here and we'll take a wander in and see what they have to say about the shortages of parts. Hi, good afternoon. My name is uh, Dorian Lionel. I'm working for Alfama Motors. Run, basically, I'm running this business. I'm the owner of this garage. And have you had any issue getting parts in recently? Yeah, it's up and down, to be honest. On kind of this business, what we're doing is up and down, to be honest. Price, definitely. Well, there has been an increase, major, major, major um, increase on the parts. Our uh, supplier, they have a, a big price than the dealer, quite big. And we keep telling this. And they say they have all of this situation, this method will be sold out, but never happened. Will you have to pass the price on to customers? Yeah, we need to pass the uh, price for, for the customer on the first plan. Okay, so you've heard from the garages. Now you're going to hear from a couple of industry colleagues who operate within the aftermarket supply chain. I want to know what's causing the delays. Is it likely to get worse? And what are suppliers doing to alleviate the pain for everyone? Are they prepared for future pandemics? 
Shaftec has been supplying remanufactured and new parts to the motor trade for over 20 years, so let's catch up with them first. Here's Mark. He's going to talk a little bit about how the company's remanufacturing process works and how being a remanufacturer is useful when international supply chains are disrupted. He's also going to tell us about the company's experience and response during the pandemic, especially the first lockdown. My name's Mark. I'm the sales manager of Shaftec. We're a remanufacturer of products. So we remanufacture drive shafts, brake calipers, steering racks, steering pumps, both hydraulic and electric. We also sell a few new products as well, CV joints, boot kits. So in terms of the process from where it starts, it starts off with core, which is probably the heartbeat of Shaftec's business. Mark, when you say core, could you just explain what that is for our listeners? So core is a scrap unit that's taken off the vehicle for us to come back and, and remanufacture and turn into a new product again. And then when it gets to the end of the production line, we have a testing facility where things get tested. The previous two years, obviously, have been a bit strange for many businesses, and there has been an unprecedented shock in manufacturing. Is the remanufacturing aspect of Shaft Tech, does that shield the company from the worst effects? Yeah, I wouldn't say we were completely out of the water when it came to the pandemic because we obviously still have to purchase components ourselves. Container shortages, you had increased cost on your shipping, you had the dollar going the wrong way. You had all of these sorts of things affecting the supply chain and where it left Shaftec, we're still able to remanufacture products and we do it in-house. So as long as we've got the components there, we can remanufacture it and put a finished stock item on the shelf. In this next part of the interview, Mark tells us about the spike they experienced as product supplier as we came out of the lockdown one. I've just asked Mark if the company saw that spike in demand coming or if it was a bit of a shock. No, we didn't, to be honest. With just going out and seeing the lack of cars on the road, it was always going to be hard to tell how it was going to work with car parts, how many people were going to carry on MOT in their car. And then when they introduced the extension on MOTs, that obviously had a bit of an effect a lot of people working from home so yeah it was quite hard for us to predict what was actually going to happen so how did you handle the spike we've always held decent amounts of components for us to remanufacture so at the start we were living off the stock that we had on the shelf and luckily because of the huge amounts that we had at the time we were able to fare that for quite a few months and as soon as we started to see the spike we were able to bring staff back in production staff because we then had the components there ready to build the product and we've got the core there in the shelf it was a good time for us to start building and start replenishing the stock the only thing that we didn't fare too well was the actual demand and you had competitors running out specific part numbers so you had customers coming onto shaft so it was really hard to predict your minimum stock levels it was tough but having the remanufacturing facility on site that helped us tremendously, really, because we were able to have the stock there when people needed it. Now we're holding a, around £6.3 million worth of finished stock, probably around £1.52 million worth of core as well, and components. <laughs> so for the amount of product group that we're actually doing, it, for some that might not seem like a large number, but for the five product groups that we hold, it's a lot of stock. Yeah, that, that is a lot. And it's quite rare in the modern supply chain to hold so much stock in one place. Yeah, ever since I've been with the company, we've always held decent ranges of stock, whether it be from a drive shaft to a CV joint to a steering rack. And that's always 
suggesting in good stead really because we're a distressed product you don't have many customers changing the parts on their car the type of parts that we sell if it breaks the car owner he has to replace it if we haven't got the stock on the shelf the chances are somebody else might have so it's always important to us to make sure we've got the right stocks when the customer needs it when things started getting up and running again and, and the spike came along. How important was it for the factors you deal with across the country? They could rely on you to provide stock and not leave them in the lurch. Although we stayed open at the start as a skeleton staff, we were still able to provide a service to all of the motor factors. You only have to look at your sales and see the customers buying that wouldn't normally buy from you. And you could see that there were competitors running out of stock left and centre. So it was very important for us to try and have the right stock on the shelf so the motor factor can still provide the same service that we were providing before the pandemic. How are the stock levels now? Have they gone back up to what they were pre-pandemic? Yeah, transmission levels for us now were in the late 90s, which was pre-pandemic levels. Steering is higher, a lot higher. It's still not as high as what we'd like it to be at the moment, but we are really fully reliant on remanufactured steering racks, for example. Everything in our range is remanufactured. So we've seen another spike in demand for steering products. We've had people like Remy just gone out of business. So that's increased the demand from our customers. Yeah, at the moment, there seems to be a real high demand on right-hand drive steering. But in terms of availability levels across the board, we're head and shoulders above where we were sort of 12 months, 18 months ago. Okay. But the pandemic now has, well, the worst of it has at least subsided. But of course, with the war in Ukraine and the ongoing effects of Brexit, many people have called it a perfect storm for material shortages and getting things into the country. It's been harder than ever. How are Shaftec dealing with that now? And going forward, would they be in a good position if another pandemic were to break out? We've made a lot of changes in, in the last two years due to the pandemic that make life a little bit easier for us to scale up and scale down. One of the things that we've done early on is make sure we've secured our supply chain of components coming in so we would used to hold around three months stock of components we've now doubled that to six months so if anything were to happen in the future as long as we've still got the core in the system we can still build the parts because as you can imagine components were still a problem during the pandemic and if we don't have the components to build it we can't build the product not only is core important but the components to build it as well <laughs> it's just as important so you feel confident that you'll fare just as well over the next couple of years? For sure, yeah. I think we feel a lot more confident now than we did going into March in 2020 when we are just going into that lockdown, going into the unknown. At least we've experienced the unknown now and, yeah. <laughs> uh, and we've come out the other side and we've made some changes to make sure that if something like that does happen again, we're fully prepared for it. Okay, so Shaftec has given us a nice example there of how a manufacturer is managing supply chain issues and their experience during the pandemic. Next up is Julian Woods. Know him? He's the chief executive of the Garage Equipment Association, the GEA. These are the guys that ensure the supply of equipment to the UK aftermarket is of the quality and standard expected in the UK. Members include companies like Maha, Gemco and Premier Pits. Julian is about to talk to you about how GEA members are managing supply issues. Apologies in advance for the quality of the recording. The mic was a bit far away from our guest. It was actually our first ever podcast interview recorded. We have learnt our lesson since. Okay, over to you, Julian. A lot of our members have suffered supply issues you know, with post-Brexit and COVID. 
a lot of materials, although some manufacturers still do manufacture in the UK, but not many, but a lot of the raw materials they make equipment from come from abroad. So China, again, we'll say China or Asia, small component, literally component there, and we can't get them into the country, then they suffered. And we have had last year a number of supply issues from members who couldn't get equipment manufactured or imported because of supply issues. It was a combination of both Brexit and COVID. Yes, we had the problems and also the cost has increased substantially. As people will be aware, to, to import a container from Asia now has quadrupled in price from a couple of years ago. So the cost of all imports has gone up to the roof. How are they coping with that? Most members are trying not to put the price up on equipment. Obviously, the equipment market is a very competitive market, but inevitably, you know, costs are starting to creep up because of the added costs of the import costs mm. and the complications. Yeah. But where possible, they are trying to keep the costs down to a bare minimum. What, do you think the, the shortages will be getting better anytime soon? Or? The general feedback is the supply issue is easing. It's not as bad as it was, but it is still quite bad. Mm-hmm. Certain products, there are extremely long lead times on, but most manufacturers now have piped that into their supply line. So they're aware that if it's a 16-week lead time for certain parts, they can now... Julian's points reflect what our friends in the garage have been saying about delays and price hikes. But what he's most keen to talk about is what he calls the big one. Not friction at ports or factories being closed in China, but a new safety mark, which he says could slow down supply and increase prices in the future. The new UKCA mark will replace Europe's CE marking, and it has to be on every piece of garage equipment by January 2023. For Julian, it's the one to watch. Okay, so I'm taking you back to the point of the interview where Julian explains the impact the safety mark will have on supply chains. The big one that's going through currently this year is the UKCA marking. Part of Brexit, they decided that the CE mark has been every product as a safety standard across the UK. Changes as of January next year, we have to have the UKCA mark on it, which means there has to be testing and approval work done in the UK. But a lot of this is just a repeat of what happens in Europe, so it's a bit of a duplication, so there's a lot of... I wouldn't say unhappiness, but lots of added cost and no added benefit it feels at the moment. We're working with the various government departments to try and move this forward. The old CE mark, when you buy your microphones, your laptop, have a CE mark sticker on them, that will no longer be accepted in the UK market as of January next year. It should have been January this year, but they've already put a 12-month deferral on because the government wasn't ready to put it in place. So absolutely everything you buy and handle through the UK market will now have to have a UK approval mark on it, not European, not a US, we have our own separate one. It's a mirror scheme to the CE, or for Northern Ireland, the UK NI mark. You've already heard suppliers say that they can't see the value in getting products approved when it's a very limited market. Before, people could choose from CE mark products and be imported in from Europe, now won't be able to do that. Yeah. So the extent of range of equipment could reduce down and inevitably the cost of equipment that does come in will go up because the government is about to pay for dual approvals, CE in Europe and CA. Inevitably the cost will go to the end user. But if you buy in the UK from a European supplier, 
if you try to bring that to the UK, you're then liable for that product. So you can't you just buy it from the CE from Europe and ship it in because then you still then become liable. It's going to cause problems as the year goes on. So this year, transitional year, we have until the end of the year to implement that. But people will, are already paying and line up approval work to be done. It will slow down and reduce the production, the lines that's available to the UK. Right now, garage owners just like egg eaters and cyclists, are having to swallow price hikes. I imagine you, also, share some of the frustrations expressed at the beginning of this feature. I was pleased to hear that Shaftec is safeguarding products and prices by doubling their UK component stock. I was also pleased to hear Julian say that supply chains seem to be easing up as manufacturers recover from recent events. But let's be honest, we're not out of the woods yet. As I mentioned earlier in my interview with Shaftec, holding large amounts of stock in the UK isn't that common or easy. There is certainly a case for component storage and manufacture to take place on British soil, closer to customers. But boy, that soil is in demand. Price of UK industrial space has gone through the roof. Manufacturers of aftermarket components are competing with e-commerce retailers from Amazon to Ocado. And European businesses are working hard to have a presence in the UK too, to avoid friction at the borders. Anyway, as always, we'll keep you up to date on these critical issues in our monthly issues of PMM, as well as on our website, www.pmmonline.co.uk. And that's it. The first ever episode of the PMM podcast from the PMM team. Thank you to the whole team, Freya, Kelly, and our producer, Kirsty. Thank you to our brilliant and honest guests, and most importantly, thank you for listening. Please remember to put the dates for Mechanics 2022 in your diary. That's Tuesday the 8th and Wednesday the 9th of November 2022 at Sandown Park in Surrey. To register for the event, visit www.mechanics.info. That's Mechanics. M-E-C-H-A-N-E-X. In the second episode, we'll be looking at the importance of pricing jobs correctly. So make sure you tune in next time too. Thanks all.